0: Coming up on today's Ride & Talk episode, community garages, vintage and electric motorcycles, and what the future may hold for two-wheeled mobility. Take a listen. Over the years, I've had the privilege of riding BMW motorcycles all over the world. And the one thing I've come away with is that the only thing more extraordinary than the ride are the people you meet along the way. These are their stories. My name is Sean Thomas, and this is BMW Motorad's Ride & Talk. Yeah,
1: now we have a really loyal community who understands uh, us, the crew, um, because this is not our main business. Um, It has the potential.
0: Recently, we found ourselves in Germany Uh, and had a chance to spend several days in the city of Berlin. Now, like any big city, there are a lot of motorcycles. And where there are so many motorcycles, there is a need. A need to store bikes, a need to work on bikes, and of course, the desire to meet like-minded people. Enter Kraftwerk Berlin, a community garage and working space that allows people to store, service, and learn about their bikes, all with other riders and enthusiasts that share a passion for all things motorcycle. We sat down with Kraftwerk founders Michael, Kati, and Max and talked about the unique space that they have created, as well as their involvement in electric motorcycles and what the future holds for urban mobility, the combustion engine, and the bright and interesting future of two-wheeled vehicles. There was a moment here where you decided that something like this needed to exist. Can you tell us a little bit about what brought this to be in your minds and what the need was and how you came to create it?
2: Uh, It starts, I think, five years ago. We had a former uh, location or workshop, very small, 200 square meters, and we met us there. And after a year or something like that, we had the idea to explode this everything. Mm. You know, we had just always hanging out there and had a lot of social contacts there, but not uh, the space was too small for everything we have in our mind. Hmm. And from there on, we start to think about to to scale it
0: a little bit more. And this is an issue, I think, in any major city, where the desire to be around motorcycles, to work on motorcycles, to store motorcycles is there, but the location is so difficult. There's just no place to park there's no place to work so how quickly were you able to take this idea and put it out there and get people to respond positively to the idea
1: yeah of course you you build place and then you have to bring the message out so okay we're here that's this is what you can do here uh, so that was basically kate's job in the right from the beginning mm-hmm. so we have to of course create an image and um yeah it depends basically on um the people themselves. So we have our very first member. We, he, he walked into the place. We didn't have anything set up and we just <laughs> had a plan from Michael because of course he, he's an architect. He knows the drill about, you know, using a building just right. Yeah. Um, and he says, yeah, I'm, I'm sold. So I'm going to join you. And then, um, it all came together parallel. So, uh, we built up the place and we had our first members and then it just grew and uh, of course you have like always some invisible like um, levels that you have to jump over mm-hmm. but right now yeah we are pretty happy about the the community
0: what is it that people are able to do here as a member basically almost everything
1: you need to work on your motorcycle so you can restore your bike uh, you can repair your bike you can customize your bike we try to add our knowledge or bring it over to the community so there's during the week always someone here all of us together we you know we bring together a lot of experience especially Michael and Niels mm. and so we also wanted to keep the entry level low so um, no one is looked at you know weirdly when you've never changed a spark plug so that was really important to us that uh, you know the social aspect is right at the core
0: and everyone feels comfortable you're describing me in in that um, I'm somebody that doesn't really know a lot about the mechanical elements of a bike. So you say people can come here and have very little knowledge and they can uh, get assistance from, from you and from each other. Is this how it works?
3: Okay, yeah. Basically, it's like that. <laughs> but the community is so much more because people can really get to know each other and build the network and get uh, get uh to know each other a little bit more. And then sure. we also try to get them together in groups, like the off-road people or mm. people on, uh, who work on Harley-Davidson, mm. or actually they are a group. <laughs> 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 the thing is, it's not just about the building job, it's about a lot more.
0: It seems like you have on this location, it's very clear that you can work on a motorcycle, but there is so much more to do here riding with each other, as you say, but also to relax and get away. You've got a whole area dedicated to having a place to eat and place to sit and place to socialize. How often is that taken advantage of here? How often do you have people just come just to be here and enjoy the ambience? I mean,
1: um, we're in an area where you don't have like a lot of tourists come by. So if we have guests, then they come here because they heard of Kraftwerk online or somewhere. So it's worth more like a mouth-to-mouth thing. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, you come here, you work on your motorcycle, but sometimes you're just exhausted and you want to grab a beer and, you know, give some advice. Sure. Uh, if it's needed or not, you will get the advice <laughs> or some ideas. <laughs> yeah, so of course, and also um, we are showing uh, MotoGP on the big screen, mm-hmm. so... We always try to to bring the community together, but also uh, the knowledge and the interactions in between the community. So that's actually really valuable because if you start off, you have an idea, you want to build a custom bike, for example, you have to start right from the scratch with all the network. And here we've collected over the years, uh, the right guys with powder coating and whatever. And also, of course, German TÜV is an issue. Uh, sure. So. We speak about the projects in advance, and then uh, there are no tears afterwards.
0: Tell us a little bit about the type of members that you have. I imagine they come from a pretty wide background of people, yeah? it's
2: completely different we have here uh, from from the beginner uh, of motorcycling very young to the oldest senior drivers here 65 or something like that so it's a uh, the section uh, from from the normal people here
0: just normal people you don't yeah. see but they are usually stay for it there's a, definitely a range of age what about profession ty- what type of backgrounds the people that come here have do you suppose
2: everything From the lawyer to the painter or uh, hand workers. Mm.
1: Journalists, carpenters, surgeons, pilots, uh, vets. So uh, the whole society is represented here. Creative peoples, everything. Mm. Tattoo artists, of course. So if the zombie apocalypse will hit, uh, we will have a nice army to survive here.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Tell us about the building here. Um, It is a beautiful building and very… looks. Old but very well built. Can you tell us what it was used for and how it was that you acquired it?
2: It it was formerly a bakery here. Mm. Uh, half of the building, the the rest of the building was a, a butchery, but, butcher, butchery uh, mm. of butcher factory, still in use to 1991. Uh, and since then, it's com- nearly completely empty. Mm. It was sold from from the authority from Berlin to uh, one of the investors, and he tries to. Uh, Develop it, but nothing really happens here. In the last thirty years.
3: Actually, it's really hard to get a building like that, and we're so lucky to have found it. Mm. And the process was about two years of finding it. And mm. uh, uh, the thing is that a lot of buildings are put down, and there's also in the inside area of Berlin. It's a matter of costs and mm. stuff like that and uh, then you know all the the gentrification process is yeah. uh, really widespread in mm. Berlin and so Lichtenberg was a really happy and lucky find to get this one here and it's like you know we went in here inside the building and I, I remember I was down here and the guys phoned me and said "Kate, come up to the first floor uh, you can't believe what we found there and it's so amazing up there it's uh, all covered in graphics and it's old building structure and it's really unique the place and we're so lucky to have found it i don't think i've
0: ever seen its equal anywhere it really is
3: (laughs) yeah but berlin really was looking like that in the 90s and the 2000s and it's it uh, the process went so wild in berlin the refurbishing process and so actually (laughs) Third time I say it, uh, but we're really, really lucky to have have a place like that.
0: Now, you've done clearly some work here. You, You weren't able to simply just roll into this building and stuff a bunch of motorcycles in. Tell us a little bit about what you had to do to get this place ready for what your vision was. We opened this
1: door back there and the, the the place was completely empty so the former guy who was sitting here he sold like weed on was, a legal level yeah on, on a legal, legal level, level like you know how to build like uh, cannabis <laughs> plants Um the place was covered in graffiti and we had no proper doors the windows were partially uh, closed so the, the first room so workshop number one and the cantina was actually the most ugliest one and we didn't know what to do with it and right now in my per- personal opinion it's like the most beautiful one and has like a nice vibe so and initially we thought okay yeah we have a lot of space how are we ever going to fill a thousand square meters and yeah let's let's put a little paint here and there and maybe set up some tools and yeah maybe you know a wooden plank here and there and then we should start off and then uh it, it, Six it, months it, later, it exploded a little <laughs> bit. So, you know, we had some ideas here and let's put a glass wall there. And then, of course, um, we went to the construction market and bought stuff constantly. Hmm. Yeah. So with every detail, you know, the project evolves and the problem is in the first place in the beginning you have a lot of helping hands so yeah. we had like 15 to 20 people who, who painted here and stuff sure. and then after 3 or 4 days they recognized oh shit this uh, <laughs> it's, it's too uh, large there's there's, there's yeah. still a lot of work uh, left and yeah. uh, after all we've been like let's say in the core team yeah. like 4 to 5 people yeah. who were building the place and of course we had support from the community so we had like uh, Berlin's fastest toilet man who <laughs> set up the toilet in like 2 days uh, we had electrician help uh, setting up the wall here Mm. also the camera surveillance for example is, was done by uh, by Willy who's working in cyber security for the military mm. so the camera cables for example they are from the secret service so they, when they built the new headquarter in Berlin Mitte like right at the center they ordered a thousand meters of cable Used 600 and we said, hey, we're gonna take the other 400. So we <laughs> saved some the money there, but with the help of also out of the community, we were able to to build the place. But it was a lot of work. So approximately like 8,000 working hours. So and uh, it takes a lot of passion to
0: start that. There's a saying in the USA and maybe there's a similar one here. They say that if you want to make a million dollars working in motorcycles, you must start with two million dollars, <laughs> and, and and it's just to imply that. It is a labor of passion to be in the world of motorcycles. We do not do this because we intend to get rich. Is it only
3: the uh, the world of motorcycles or does it apply to a lot of other
0: different… It sounds like it applies to remodeling old buildings too.
3: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely.
1: I mean, uh, I think I can speak for the whole team. So, so passion was the idea in the first place, and of course, there is a business model, and we've, we've started the company. But if you don't have passion right from the beginning and the right vibe within the team and the same idea, which direction you want to go together? I mean, we are completely different personalities, but we all had the same idea yeah. to to. Have a good coffee, watch through a glass wall yeah. into a workshop, and um, yeah, and also uh, ride the motorcycle right to your desk. So that's also what we accomplished <laughs> here. Um, so, you know, the little Tumblr world here and there in sure. real life.
0: Now, in, as an example of that, you have day jobs. This is not what you do full time. Yeah. So after you've finished spending all the time and effort working to maintain this place, you go off and, and do your real job. Is that so?
3: Well, the thing was… <laughs> <laughs> we have two full-time jobs now. Two full-time jobs. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, in the in the beginning, we thought, oh, well, let's j- just put some paint on the walls and then t- the, uh, put up the tools and then that's it. Uh, everybody gets along. And um, we just ride with our motorbikes to the desks. Yeah. But anyway, so six months later and saw our backs and uh, <laughs> um, broken, I don't know, toes. <laughs> After that, we realized uh, that we're actually a company now, mm. and uh, we're we're a team, and we're mm. not just some guys who just have something in common. Mm. So now we're w- really working on it. Uh, but the thing is, it's really worth it because we we see a lot of little plans starting to come up, and uh, there's a lot of in it now, and we're really happy to have the thing now to to work at, at Kraftwerk, but. Since we have a, a like a seasonal job mm. now, the Kaffec is a total summer business. Mm. And uh, so we have our own jobs in the winter times and uh, yeah. also in the summer too.
1: Yeah. And initially we estimated, okay, 10 hours a week for each crew member yeah. that should do it. And uh, yeah, of course it exploded to like a, a full-time <laughs> job potential. And we now try to juggle, you know, uh, freelance jobs. And, um, and of course, in the very first month, you also had, of course, to pump in money as well. So yeah. you were working here your ass off to build a place then you're working on other places to yeah. make money and then you had to push in money again but right now we are super happy that we don't have to sit here in one suitors covered in dust and uh, you know just living out of red bull and pizza <laughs>
0: Now, as we walk through, we saw people here in your mechanics base workshops uh, working on bikes. So these are members that are just here in their spare time to do work on bikes. Is this what's happening?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we have members here, but we also have four hour uh, sets where new members or potential members can come in and try to get the vibe right. So mm. sometimes they don't feel confident to, you know, approach a big community garage, but when they get to know us, so. Mm. We are pretty open minded. So they can ranch you for four hours. So either on their own or with some help. Yeah. So there are two different models. And uh, usually when they have experienced, you know, the friendly vibe, yeah. they say, okay, I was actually struggling a little bit and was thinking about it for half a year. So the introverts, you know, it takes a little longer mm. to, to get them attracted. But when they meet us, they know, okay, we are just normal people, no, like the tough biker. Yeah. Whatever community, no club, no what whatsoever. Yeah. So it's it's really in the core a social project, and the motorcycle the scooter just glues it together. So yeah, you look very tough to me. Like yeah, you. I am. I am. <laughs> I, I mean, I, my legs are maybe the size of your uh,
0: arms. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there is a very eclectic, very wide range of motorcycles here from your members, and. I noticed that most of them are the type of bikes that don't have a lot of electronics. Yeah. Why do you suppose the bikes are older here generally? I mean, it's way
1: easier to work on them. And of course, if you want to customize a bike, you have way more opportunities to do that um, mm-hmm. because of noise restrictions, you know, design, open air filters, cutting frames, whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's way easier. Of course, the bikes as, as base bikes are more affordable. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get into the hobby, you you know, you grab an old bike for a thousand euros and you have another four or five to spend maybe, and then you can really build
0: a, a cool individual ride. Yeah. So, um I think that's totally making sense. Mm. Now, the bikes I've seen are, are in various states of repair. Some of them are look like they're ready to ride, and others have the motors completely stripped out of them and are in the process. and, and are, Do you really have people coming here and being that eccentric on how far they go into taking apart their bike?
1: Yeah, it's different from person to person. So you have uh, members here who are completely enthusiastic they roll their bike in and you don't see them for another 6 months which is good for the business model but not good for the community <laughs> and then you have uh, others who are really passionate about it also sometimes right so like complete beginners but maybe you know they work there with they no
2: driving license
1: with no driving license uh, wow. so they work But worked. two bikes or three bikes <laughs> Yeah yeah so so uh you know there are these examples and then they just they dive completely in. So mm. they, they, they buy the parts and also they ask. So that's mm. that's the value here. So if you ask a lot of questions, you're, you're making less mistakes mm. and then you get quicker to your goal to, to finalize sure. the bike.
0: Now, you had an event here that we had an opportunity to come and, and take a look at. It was amazing. And it was something that I've never seen before. It was an all-electric motorcycle exposition. Can you tell us a little bit about what this was and how it came to be?
1: Yeah, that was the Reload Land, the very first European Electric Motorcycle Festival and that was an idea that popped up two years ago and I thought, okay, I looked around. I've been to to a couple of motorcycle events like Bike Shed and Wheels and Waves, and I thought, okay. And I was formerly working at Gestalten Publishing, working on the book *The Current*, which is also about uh, two-wheel electric mobility. And I thought, okay, I've never experienced these bikes live. So you always have them, you know, either as advertising or an Instagram. And uh, the idea was to to bring these different uh, companies together, the EV community together, for the first time, and and created the the right vibe and also we've done it here because uh, I love the tension between combustion engine motorcycles and also on the outs in the out- mm. outdoor area the the electric bikes mm. and I think a lot of people were pretty surprised how many different concepts are out there and personally also I thought initially yeah electric bikes they all feel the same you know with combustion engines you have like single and and uh, v2s and four cylinders of course and you you know it's a different character a different noise but it's the same Actually, with electric bikes. So you have different geometry, different weight, different power ratio, whatever. And we also displayed some custom Uh, bikes there it was like the first event of its kind the flag is now on on the moon surface and i really i'm really looking forward to see the event grow and and uh, get people to yeah experience these bikes and but not like think of black and white so they can exist next to each other we also had a silent ride on saturday with like 40 electric bikes through the city wow and that was amazing And weird at the same time, because, uh, you know, you could hear the small talk even in the back roads on the the lights. And um, (laughs) so a lot of people also in the city center were pretty surprised to see us. So that I think we created some real special memories there. And I'm
0: looking forward for the years ahead. In a place like this, when you have this many motorcycles here, you can really absorb the beauty that is a motorcycle. And and most of these bikes are internal combustion. And because they're internal combustion, we have things that absolutely must generally be the same. You know, the tires are always in the same place. The seat is where it is. The fuel tank is generally where it is. And of course the motor, but now we're looking at electric bikes and because of how they function, conventional design is no longer terribly important and you can go in any direction you want. And we saw that at this electric show where we had these bikes that had massively different designs. Now, as motorcycle purists, what do you think about where electric motorcycles are going in terms of design? I
2: think that's that's a very important thing that you get much more freedom to design everything Mm -hmm. because you don't have these motor stuff and tank, as you say, and different powertrain stuff mm. so uh, you have a lot of freedom for everything and what you can see at the show was uh, you have this old school type of electric motorcycles mm. because they have a, a special picture of a archetype yeah. uh, mm. of a motorcycle as you have it for about over 100 years now mm. and on the other side you have this completely future stuff mm-hmm. what could happen now because you have these uh, completely freedoms. You can put your accumulators where you want and can put your motor where you want Mm. on the front, on the end, in the middle with with gearbox or Mm. without gearbox, stuff like that.
0: And this is very interesting because we expect with a concept motorcycle that they're going to go to the moon with design. It can be anything they want. But a lot of the bikes that were here were not concepts. These were production motorcycles and they were so unusual and almost with the exception that they had two wheels and handlebars in a seat looked nothing like a motorcycle how do you suppose those designs will be taken in by the community do you think that they have a strong future
3: i think the design is uh, one of the most important part of the process because i was lucky to ride a lot of bikes on this weekend and I also rode uh, at the silent ride, which was really, really amazing. But I think the motorbike is always defined by the sound and how the engine moves. Mm. And for example, I ride a BMW, an R90, mm. which is a new one, but also has this shaking uh, moves yep. at the motor when I turn it on and has a certain sound. I recognize my bike. And mm. so the design is very important thing about the electrical mm. motorcycles because uh, there are only like three power steps mm. in the engines and um you use it for mostly city urban drive purposes and yeah i think uh, it's very open process by now actually i would build in uh, like a sound module to have different sound on it mm. what do you say
1: from my point of view, I think it's a matter of age. So we had a small booth at the Green Tech Festival, and you could really draw a line below the age of 40 and mm. uh, above 40 so everyone below 40 was like really interested uh, yeah. to come to the event mm. and above they were like a little you know skeptic and uh, of course it means change it's like a big revolution um yeah. so we had like these hell's angels in the 60s and you know the, the rebels and then you had like the next step with all the, the plastics and fairings in mm. the 90s and now you have uh, different drivetrains. Mm. and i think uh, it's also the same within the car industry so you need to educate the people a little bit so mm. of course you have the proportions you have physics and geometry so yeah. have always two wheels suspension whatever mm-hmm. but a region for example it's following more like the classic path but of course uh, you can go wild and then it's a matter of the community if they if, if uh, they will accept it and uh, be brave enough to, yeah. to bring that design and these new concept into the world mm.
0: it's very interesting how we look at the practicality of an electric motorcycle i mean really there's a lot of value And having this machine and the technology is only getting better, but you're also and as you mentioned, we are walking away from some of the emotive parts of motorcycle, the sound of the bike and the vibration and the intensity. How do you suppose the community will transition from the conventional motorcycle to what is, must be the future of two wheels?
1: i don't know if if it is a must be so um yesterday i was sitting together with a with a guy from he said, uh, i'm not pro ev i'm pro fun so uh, um. i think that was a nice <laughs> nice term how to how to say it because uh, i think it's still about freedom mm. it's still about fun on two wheels mm. um, it's uh, different but it's nice and um, i think it still can exist next to each other of course from the politics science side of things and we have the climate crisis mm. there will get more pressure mm. on the combustion engine, which means more taxes in mm. our city circles will close down for combustion engines eventually yeah. in the future. So I think there will be a slow process towards the direction that you mentioned. Mm. Yeah. But I think with some some companies are building in sound modules already. So yeah. Tar from 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 Brooklyn, for example, um, they can create a complete new sound. And when mm. these guys are riding through Manhattan, you know, pedestrians are you know, like looking over and said okay what's this i mean and they also have like some vibrating sensors and what used to be the tank so you can actually feel the bike you hear the bike and i think there is a lot more to come in the future when it comes to pleasure our senses you know
0: now you had this amazing exposition of all of these electric motorcycles and it's such an interesting contrast to where we are right here, right now, where we're in a room and it's not just full of motorcycles, it's full of classic, iconic, beautiful motorcycles, which is a very nice embracing of both the new technology and vintage. Tell us a little bit about this collection. Michael, this is your collection. Yes, m- many of them. How is it that you came to get into the world of collecting motorcycles?
2: Uh, I start as a student. When I get my driving license, I just because I don't have that much money. I old Moto Guzzi classic motorbike, uh, which I can afford. And after a few kilometers, I got a completely crashed down motor. So I used to be fix it by myself, and I have no experience. And I, I just ask friends and friends and friends mm. and stuff like that. And from there on, I'm totally fixed for motorbikes because it's much cheaper to drive uh, with two wheels as fast as in cars. It's also kind of a way of freedom. So you bring it together. So yeah, like that. And from there on, I'm totally in this uh, two wheel stuff.
0: Now, I see motorcycles from many different manufacturers here and many BMWs, which I'm sure are your favorites.
2: Uh, Definitely not. (laughs) Uh, As you can see here behind me, the Moto Guzzi, Mm Le Mans Two. it's 1982, so I think it's uh, the bike from a friend of mine. I built this bike in 1996, Mm -hmm. and since then he owns the bike, and he don't drive it, and bring it to me to berlin and the first years when i was much younger i only drive italian bikes mm. italian sport bikes must be very uncomfortable <laughs> uh, a lot of things to wrench on it and the handlebar must be sit down uh, sure. quite close to the X of the f- front wheel stuff like that yeah. so it must be very fast and light stuff mm. like that And BMW, nobody wants uh, to have uh, something to do with people who drive BMW in the 90s. Mm.
1: Uh,
2: It's too serious. It's Mm.
1: always working
2: always working (laughs) and uh, stuff like that so Mm. but 15 years ago i bought my first bmw and was very surprised that it's so much good engineering stuff in it you can wrench very easy on it stuff like that so i start to collect bmws and as you can see the last year since the heritage waves coming over the world it was a kind of a second life of motorcycling Mm. because i i'm growing in the 90s uh, beginning of the 90s with motorbikes or end of the 80s and 2005, I think, or something like that, it was mm. always the same. Yeah. So, And since then, there is a, a second life coming. And it's getting more to the center of the, of the common society. Mm. So, since uh, before there,
0: motorcyclists are a separate kind of society, I would mm. say. Now, among your BMWs, you have a particular set of models that really caught my eye. And it's the GSs. And it looks like you have an R80 GS and a GS period Car, just because I'm such a fan of the GS in general. Can you tell us a little bit about that collection that you have here?
2: Sure. The first one, uh, GS, was uh, I, I found in, in, in Munich in a storage. I don't know anything about this bike. Hmm. I just bought it from a collection with other bikes and just put it because it was cheap. Yeah. And after that, I tried to get more information about the model and I was a lucky one. And it was one of the 200 sign from Gaston Rayet on the tank in nearly mint condition. And nowadays, it's, it's nearly impossible to get a bike like this because there are Mm. only 200 existing. Yeah. And from there on, I, I'm very interested in this, in this kind of bikes and I start to collect large Enduros from the 80s and 90s.
0: Mm. And your collection here, I don't see anything that is newer than the 90s.
2: The newest one you see is uh, the two uh, basics, the so mm-hmm. R80GS basics here in front. Yeah, the white ones. It's 1996. Ah, oh, okay. How can people find out about who you are and what you do? Just go on our homepage, Kraftwerk point Berlin. Okay, Just very
0: easy. And and are you still accepting new members?
1: Yeah, we do, uh, but. We are honestly on the edge of what's uh, the, the space capable of. Um, but there is always like a frequency of, you know, two people go, three mm. come. Uh, you know, one is taking off for a world trip. So, um, yeah. you always have these or uh, some move cities. So we still can bring in new members, mm. but don't wait too long. We had this festival and we yeah. have, uh, I don't know, five more interests. Sure, But we are lucky about that because, I mean, I'm happy to bring in three of my bikes to to welcome, you know, three uh, new members. (laughs) So I'm fine with that. So we make sure that everyone, you know, will find a space. But I think 10 more people and we're like exploding and we have to
0: start a waiting list. Now, uh, your first location, you've learned very quickly, we're at the ceiling and we need a bigger place. This place is huge and you're at the ceiling once again. What does the future look like for this will it get bigger
2: we have a lot of ideas uh, just around everything what's going on in the mobile world so mm. we are quite close to the car scene as well mm. so we are quite interested to vintage cars to in mm. vintage cars and probably in the future if we have to move here on on the side mm. to uh, start construction work here probably be thinking about to put uh, something similar what we're doing with motorcycles for cars Mm. just very small yeah but probably to bring it together yeah so and the event business should be a little bit more expand the event business looks very good at the moment yeah so uh, the last three years because we have this corona stuff as Mm. well so we we don't have an an, a complete normal season as you can imagine that there are a lot of
0: potentials which we don't the last two years. Do you think that you could come to the USA and create that for us there? Because we really need this.
3: But you have it already.
0: (laughs) We we do have it a little bit. Yeah, there are
3: a lot of places like that one.
1: Sean, we'll make you a good price for the franchise. So uh, we give you all the business intels. uh, We can tell you what not to do. Um, of course it it would, that was also our idea. I mean, when we started off, we got a lot of emails from all over Germany. Oh man, why is it Berlin? Why not Frankfurt and Munich or whatever? But of course, it, it's always a matter of fi- the right people who yeah. put in the passion, and then if we you have a place in LA, we will come. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, of course, uh, for uh, us, it's a seasonal thing, and uh, we get
3: there for winter now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, we close during Kraftwerk Berlin and come over in, in October. Perfect. I love it.
0: I want to take a moment to thank you all for coming and s- speaking with us today, and speaking with our audience at Rider Talk. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Welcome. (laughs) Rock on. We very much hope you have enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you, so please comment and share your thoughts about this podcast. We have many more on the way, so please subscribe, follow along, and share your requests for future episodes of the BMW Motorrad Ride & Talk podcast.